Beloved congregation of the Lord, turn again in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14 and begin reading at verse 22. And straight away Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when He had sent the multitudes away. He went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Boys and girls, the story that is before us this morning comes right after a very well-known miracle of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure you know about the feeding of the 5,000. You know, there was that great big crowd that came to Jesus in the wilderness. And Jesus, as the evening was approaching, had compassion on the crowds and he told his disciples you feed them well as it worked out they they could not feed such a great number of people and so just a few loaves and fishes were given to our great savior jesus christ he blessed that bread and broke it And he distributed more and more of that food until the whole multitude was fed. 5,000 beside loaves and fishes. 5,000 besides the women and children were fed with loaves and fishes. And what a great display of the Lord's power and love and sustaining grace that Jesus Christ is able to feed both with physical bread as well as the riches of his salvation. I'm sure that for the disciples, when they were with him, that was a time of such great excitement. Here they were and Jesus was with them. He was caring for them. But all of a sudden, even in this special time, Jesus suddenly tells them to leave. And the word that we we have there in verse 22, he constrained his disciples. Well, that means like he commanded them. He required them. You have to leave right now, and you have to leave without me. Well, Jesus knew entirely what was going to happen, that they were going to be put in a situation of terrible trouble, danger, and they would be very frightened. Sometimes that's the way the Lord leads us. He puts us in situations we don't think we can handle. He puts us in situations that we can't understand. But always, if we can't understand why, the Lord Jesus works in our lives in a, in a specific way. 
We know that always, always, the Lord Jesus, he deals with his people according to his love and, and tender care. In this case, as Jesus sends them away back to the ship that had brought them to that deserted place, and as they head out on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus himself goes up into a mountain to pray. And I'm, I don't know what he was praying about. Wouldn't it have been amazing to have been there, to just be drawing close to the Lord Jesus as he lifts up his voice and heart to pray unto his Father? I think if we could, could listen and we could hear those heavenly words that were coming from his lips, he was surely praying, praying for his people, praying for his followers, not only those who were with him in those days, but also us, all of his people, those people he had come to save. And where Jesus prays for his church and people, where indeed he is come in order that we would not be left under the dominion and terror and judgment of sin, but redeemed unto eternal life, there is comfort and hope to be found with this Jesus, however he may deal with us in this veil of tears. As we would reflect upon these verses from verse 22 to 33, I wish to write over the sermon, Little Faith in the Big Storm. Little Faith in the Big Storm. Storm. We'll see in the first place, separated from Jesus. Second, approached by Jesus. And third, coming to Jesus. First, separated from Jesus. Well, these disciples, I'm sure it was not an easy thing that they would leave this one that they loved and, and looked up to so much. He was their master. He was their Lord. And yet here he was telling them to get in the ship without him, telling them to go out on this Sea of Galilee. Even that, I'm sure, was disturbing to the disciples. They would not enjoy the same sense of his presence, they would not be able to look to him in the same way for guidance. They were on their own. Maybe they were the crew of this ship that they could speak to. And they were obviously the 12 disciples who could encourage and help one another. But their great master, his presence was not felt because he was off praying. And so it is. There can be seasons also for a true Christian where they feel separated from the Lord's presence in their life. If you're not a Christian, if you've never trusted in Christ, then these sorts of things uh, are not something that you can relate to. The fact that sometimes you feel very close to him and you feel his protecting care and other times it feels as though You've been forsaken as though you've been left on your own. You can't relate to that if you're not a believer. But if you know what it is to 
have a personal relationship with this Jesus, if he is your life, if he is your strength, if he is your hope, then the worst worst thing you can experience, surely, is to be forsaken by him according to how you feel. Verse 24, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Well, sailing across the Sea of Galilee at night might have been difficult enough without their great Lord with them, but it is not a peaceful journey, you see. The wind, it is contrary to them, it says. It's, it's almost speaking about it as though it were opposed to them, as though it were an enemy. Perhaps they're sailing away and all of a sudden the wind begins to blow and it blows harder and it blows fiercer. So it is that that sea that might have been peaceful at other times suddenly becomes a churning cauldron of chaos and confusion. It says that the boat was tossed with waves and the word there can be translated as tortured, oppressed, attacked by the waves. It seems as though nature itself is rising up to destroy Christ's little flock there upon the boat. And so it can sometimes feel that way as though we are in a situation in life in which everything Everything is opposed to us. There can be terrible providences that we would experience that would be closely connected with this feeling of being forsaken by the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, faith in the Lord, it is really tested at exactly these times, isn't it? When we go through times of tragedy, of loss, of sorrow, grief, and pain, of sickness, or even death. These things, as they draw near, they are precisely those times when faith is strained, faith is tested. Can we believe that the Lord loves us if we would go through such times? Can we believe that the Lord truly cares? There they are in the darkness. There they are being tossed to and fro like rag dolls, utterly outside of their control. Isn't that sometimes the most frightening thing? To lose control, to lose control of your very life, to not know what the future has in store, to feel yourself in the grip of terror as you feel yourself in danger and and under threat. How terrible it is also where that goes with that spiritual forsakenness of the Lord, where you have something of the terror of being lost, of not knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, of indeed being forsaken from him even for eternity. 
These things are too great to bear. These things are such that they would crush us were it not for the help and sustaining grace of the Savior, how is it that any of us could go on? Well, here we have an account of separation from Christ, but notice also being approached by Jesus Christ. Verse 25, And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them watching on the sea. Oh, this great wonderful Lord and Savior, he approaches unto his people, unto his little church on the boat. They are being tossed to and fro upon the waves. They are completely outside of their of their element. They don't know how they can survive. And yet Jesus, The great God-man, the very Son of God himself, he can but tread upon the water. As Job said in chapter 9 of that book, it is a mark of deity to have such control over the fierce waves of chaos and destruction that you can walk upon it as on dry ground. No other in all of biblical history could do such a thing. It is a sign of Christ's deity that he would take this step. And I can imagine how it went there. He is praying and praying that his faith, the faith of his disciples would grow strong, that even through this trial, and affliction, they would be protected. However it was that this was appointed for them, Jesus knew that they had to go through this. They had to learn the lesson that would follow from being separated from him. But no sooner than the Lord appoints for his son that Jesus begins to walk upon the waves to return to his people. He does not forsake them. No, he is drawn to them. And the very winds and the waves that would threaten to crush them are the very chariot that brings this great king to the rescue of his people. Can you perhaps relate to that? As you look, back at times where you have felt most tried, most threatened, most oppressed? Could it be that even in those times where where the Lord Jesus was drawing close to you, using the things that would threaten to crush you, to come close, to make you depend upon him, to reveal something of his glory, of his grace, and of his love and tender care for a sinner like you? And so Jesus approaches to his people. He is drawn to them. He will not forsake them. But as he approaches, there is a fear that creeps into the heart of the disciples. There in verse 26, And when the disciples saw him coming on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. 
And so we may, may mock these disciples. We may uh, consider it foolish that they would see a figure there on the ocean and come to this conclusion that it was a demonic spirit. But honestly, if on one level you can say that actually is a, a plausible theory, we understand, of course, that the devil, he is the prince of the power of the air. And as such, he has the power to manipulate the air and to cause people to see things that would frighten and terrify them. The demonic realm is, is very real. And today we're, we see all sorts of excitement about aliens, about all sorts of other things. Then people all jump to some sort of conclusion and never perhaps even stop to ask the question, is it possible that a demonic power is at work to deceive? So we can say that these disciples were wrong, but it was not altogether a, a rational conclusion. There was a figure walking upon the waves. Surely it must be an evil spirit come to destroy us. We are here in the waves and we are being threatened by this further terrifying thing. So it is that sometimes where the Lord Jesus is drawing close to us, where the Lord Jesus means us good, yet sometimes it does not immediately bring relief. Sometimes it can bring more fear. It's not altogether unusual that Jesus would be would be mistaken for someone else. You remember when he rose from the dead, he was speaking to Mary, and he Mary mis, mistook him for a gardener. And here he's mistaken for an evil spirit. So also where the Lord Jesus may be dealing with you today, maybe be working in your life in, in some way to draw you close unto him, perhaps it, it doesn't feel that way. Perhaps it feels as though at this point in your life that surely the Lord Jesus cannot mean you well. Surely, if that would happen, surely my thinking would be clear and, and my heart would be filled with joy and I'd be able to rest in his promises and I'd be able to light in his person. And yet, what we forget, what we forget is while Jesus is perfect, he works with most imperfect sinners. He works with us whose minds are just a bundle of confusion and foolishness. He works with us whose hearts are so fickle and prone to wander. He works with us who are so slow to understand and to believe his word. And so... The fact that you, my friend, may not feel much peace in your soul today. You should not draw this conclusion that the Lord Jesus is not close, that he is not able and willing to help in your hour of need. You should not draw the conclusion that his love is not meant for you. You ought not to so conclude hastily that these things are meant for your destruction. No, Consider this, the Lord Jesus Christ is one who is more powerful than any evil spirit, more powerful than you or I, of great wisdom, power, and might. He has conquered over the devil and the grave. 
And without his will, a hair cannot so much as fall from your head. Even the sparrows are known to him. They cannot fall to the ground without his knowing and approving of it. How much more? How much more can he care for you, O ye of little faith? Jesus, he sees that they are in distress. He sees that they are confused. What is it that he does? He speaks out to them. He says in verse 27, but straight away, as soon as he, he knew that they were wrong in this way, Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Take courage, Jesus says. Do not fear. I am here to save. I am here to help. Lo, your names are written in the palms of my hands. Though a mother should forget her suckling baby, yet I will never forget you. How much we need to hear this congregation. Oh, if you are in the midst of the storm this morning, if the winds and the waves are all around, if you cannot tell the voice of Jesus from the voice of the devil, make this most clear and fix your heart upon it. Jesus comes close and he speaks of peace. He speaks of help. He speaks of salvation through and in himself. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Perhaps you've been in in situations in your life where it doesn't matter what anyone can say to you. Nothing can make it better. Nothing can make it better. Nothing will ever be the same. It does not matter who is around you. It does not matter what they say or do. Nothing, it seems, can be improved. Your problems are not of that sort. But here's one who says, it is I. That is the whole argument. It is I, be not afraid. I am the Christ. I am the Son of God. I am the Redeemer. I am the one who has purchased you with my very blood. Where he is present, where the great I am that I am, the great Jehovah, the Son of God, would speak this to your soul, I tell you. Even though you may not be out of the storm, yet his presence with you can bring you a measure of peace and stability in the midst of the storm. You will not be lost, for lo, he is with you always even unto the end of the world. We see also uh, being approached by Jesus, but in the third place, coming to Jesus. Verse 28, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Oh, good old Peter. Don't we all love Peter? Can we not all see ourselves in this Peter? We see that he is a bit of an impetuous sort. He asks great and, and maybe even presumptuous things sometimes from the Lord. Surely for, 
For some, it would be enough. Oh, the Lord Jesus is, is here. We don't need to be afraid. But Peter says, I want to walk out on the water with you, Jesus, if it, if it is truly you. He puts Jesus to the test, you see. And so Jesus, in his great condescension and grace, he doesn't just say, well, that's not for you to do, Peter. I mean, no one in the whole history of the world has ever walked in the water save the Son of God. And yet he says, come. Verse 29, he said, come. He invites Peter to come out upon the water. Not just to be in the midst of that boat and in the midst of all of that terrifying storm. He says, come out and walk onto the water. Walk onto these fearsome waves. Come, he says. Where the Son of God speaks, we have but to obey his command. We have but to heed that call. Does the Lord Jesus call you today to do the impossible? Does he call you even to venture out into the midst of the storm that is before you and in the midst of that to walk upon the waves in faith? Well, I tell you those things which are impossible with man are possible with God. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. You see, faith, it can... Move mountains. Faith is the victory that overcometh the world. That true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is a power and a strength and a grace which the unbeliever knows nothing of. It is that which holds and secures you in the midst of the most trying of circumstances, in the midst of the deepest of sorrows, in the, dip, in the midst of the blackest of agonies. There is Jesus in his grace sustaining you, able not only to exist, but even to thrive in the midst of that terrible season. Unbelief and cries out, my way is hidden from the Lord and my just claim is passed over from my God. But faith answers to the word of God, for those who wait upon the Lord shall not be put to shame. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, that terrible wind, he, he could not but look up and see that there was that wind blowing the rain, blowing the clouds, blowing the waves, its violent gusts. He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. Oh, this poor, pitiable Peter, he thought that perhaps he could persist in that state that he could walk upon the waves and be there with Jesus in the midst of the storm but now as he looks around he sees his faith waning yes you see a true believer does not have always a, uh, the measure of faith that he or she would desire all of us have weakness in our faith 
All of us have occasion daily to go to our Lord and say, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Were it left to the strength of our faith to save us, then there's not one of us who could be saved. If you think that something that can be conjured up through your own will and strength is enough to rescue your soul from hell, I tell you there's nothing to be offered there. That poor Peter, what would happen to him if this was the end, if the strength of his faith was what was going to help him while he would have plunged down into the deep, deep abyss of that ocean, never to be found again. So it would be with each one of us. But what do we read in verse 31? And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? The strong arm of the Savior reaches out and securely fastens itself to the arm of this doubting Peter, holds him in his tight grip. There is not one of Christ's lambs that will be plucked out of the hands of this good shepherd. There is not one believer, no matter how weak and fragile their faith, no matter how it was that they began those first steps in faith, no matter what doubts and terrors that may have afflicted them, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ can save the weakest believer, the most immature believer, the least instructed believer. For it is not the strength of faith that saves, it is the object of faith. It is the Lord Jesus himself who saves by faith. If you would trust in the Lord Jesus today with the weakest arm of faith, and you know that before you reached out that arm, Jesus had already stretched forth his arm to hold you fast. Notice that rebuke. Oh, Thou of little faith. Not a harsh rebuke, not an angry rebuke, but a gentle rebuke. Oh, little faith, little faith, why did you doubt? I tell you, yes, the the littlest of faiths, the smallest and most doubting believer, they are secure in the arms of the Savior. But the Lord Jesus does not want us to be content with having a small and a little and a struggling faith. He would have us to remember that it is he. Jesus says, it is I. Be of good cheer. Do not be afraid. Do not be cast to and fro with every wind and wave that confronts you. Do not be one who is content to live in that paralyzing dread. Do not be one who is always terrified of plunging there into the abyss. No. Look unto Christ. Trust in Christ. Look unto him to the uttermost. Believe in him to the uttermost. This is what is pleasing to Jesus. Is there one here who imagines that Jesus is pleased with your doubt? Is there one here who imagines that Jesus approves 
of your doubting? That he believes it is honoring to you where you say, I do not know where I am. I do not know how I can be found in Christ. No. We must always be honest before the Lord and never speak more than we have truly possessed from him. But always, always we strive to grow our faith by seeing more of our great Jesus. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. Jesus testifying of his deity and divine power. In a moment, the winds and the waves cease utterly. There in the early hours of that morning, as darkness was giving way to light, you saw that in an instant the winds and the waves stop. Not a moment before the Lord's choosing, but exactly at his appointed time, the skies clear and the sunrise begins to dawn. A testimony, O congregation, of what the Lord can do. He will bring you through the storm. He will bring you through the other side. And where he does, he will put a song of praise upon your lips.